0: You're listening to The Strike. Get back! 1025 WHPT HD2 Sarasota, Tampa, St.
1: Pete. This is
0: Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio.
1: That's going to be nice. Um, you know, we talked about that coming mean, this stretch, too, was... Let's feel good about ourselves heading into this break. We played a lot of hockey and, you know, haven't really afforded ourselves a a chance to to take the foot off the gas. So if anything, it's going to, you know, it's an added motivation for this group. We want to be a playoff team and to to go on a little run. There's
0: no question. I I think we've been the lead uh, leader in games the entire season. And so we're going to at some point have some of these breaks because teams have to catch up. And so it's a good time for us, especially with the amount of guys we have on the shelf.
2: A lot of guys on the shelf. Hopefully some healing. Lightning don't play for another couple of days. That's always a good thing. We move on here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. I am Greg Linelli. Dave Michigan is my partner in crime. We've got Steve Versnick. Our Twitter account is at Bolts Radio. It's not Twitter, I guess. It's X, but mm-hmm. I'll probably say Twitter for as long as I'm... Do they still call training. them tweets? Or well, is I that gone? Good point by you. are right posts. By the wayside posts okay all right we'll call them tweets (laughs) we'll take your your comments and dan rosen partner from nhl.com you know we used to have dan on a lot you and Mm -hmm. i do this show we'd like to have the local flavor and um we sprinkle in those national guests where we pick and choose because we we like to have conversations with our audience and you know we we do uh We like to to break it all down, but anytime we can get a a national guy to come on and and talk about the state of the Lightning and really where the league is now as we get close to the trade deadline. This is a good time with the Lightning enjoying this kind of mini break. This mini break, and I guess, well, not I guess. I mean, I think anytime Julian Breezewell talks partner, people kind Mm -hmm. of look at it and say, okay, well, did did he say anything interesting? But he talked to reporters today. And maybe a little bit of an update on where the team is, where the team is heading, and the question about Stephen Stamkos and certain things about his contract status was discussed. But I don't know if anything was said that we we were shocked. He did say there's no chance Steven Stamkos is traded ahead of the trade deadline right. this year. So I... That is, you know, for those of you who thought that, and if you listened to this show, you knew that wasn't going to be on the table, but um, it's something that I think at the end of the year, they're both parties will reevaluate. And then from there, we don't know what's going to happen. I think that's a fair way to put it. He also,
0: go ahead. He, also if you wanted said to, he, he was asked if he envisioned Stamkos will be here after the season. He answered yes. Yeah. So it's not just that he said he's not getting traded at the deadline. He envisions him being back next year. They just have to work out the terms of the next deal. And he's going to wait until the offseason to do that.
2: Which is smart. It's also, I think, the obvious obvious answer, correct? I mean, the Lightning are in a playoff spot. They're going to be hovering around a playoff spot, Dave, even if they don't make the playoffs, which we think they will. But this isn't a team that's going to lose 15 in a row and find themselves well out of a playoff spot. So Steven Samkos is a big part of what they're trying to accomplish this year. You would not part ways with him, I, I, I think under any circumstances, but especially just more from a practical standpoint, what that would do to the locker room if you're fighting for a playoff spot that you traded your captain. I yeah. mean, that, to me, you have to you know, say what you want about what the Lightning are going to do at the end of the year, but this is about winning now. And Steven Stamkos performing helps you do that. And I think that, was, that wasn't even in the discussion, to be clear. He also said Mikhail Sergeyev is not expected back until, the, until after the All-Star break with the possible target date of February 7th at the Rangers. So kind of an idea of mm-hmm. where Sergey is. And we saw the Lightning call up a, a few players today as well. Um, yeah, so returning are Myers and Crozier and Walter Merilla is back. Yes.
0: Swapping
2: Which, essentially with Salvas. You almost forget about him a little bit, right? And I don't, that that's not a knock on him. I think it's more of just there have been a few call-ups now. And in his, I don't want to say was uneventful. But would you say that Merla showed some things and was impressive early on? I think for him, it was just trying to fill the net a little bit and maybe going down to the minors and mm-hmm. and putting up the numbers, whatever he put up. I he didn't... did. He put up pretty good numbers. So he had 14 games with the Lightning. I think he, he was on the
0: Lightning because he had a very good camp. Yeah. And distinguished himself. Correct. But he didn't have a point in 14 games. And by the way, speaking of good timing, it's my first cold of the year, and I, I timed it for this four-day layoff. So we'll see if... We'll see if my voice is back to to normal by the time the lightning hit the ice. So, thank you for bearing with me, Greg, and and listeners to the show. With Syracuse, Marilla had sixteen points in twenty three games. Yeah, it's pretty good.
2: Yeah, hopefully sure. he helps with his confidence. Well, see you the know, pucks go in. Like I like I said before. I mean, is it you, you you forget about him a little bit, and maybe that's because the forward position has kind of solidified itself a bit. That you're not focusing too, too much on the depth scoring partner and scoring in general, and maybe right gauge being brought up that was at everybody's forefront, just looking at his ability, and maybe he maybe he impressed some people more than Marilyn in his debut. I, I I don't know what that would be. I think this conversation is more about where the team is, and maybe the back end because there have been a few more injuries that have been impactful potentially mm-hmm. to the team. But Murillo was somebody, you know, we, we forget about some of the guys they have called up and, and some of the younger forwards. It's Murillo was a big part of that. He impressed in training camp and got an opportunity. I think Gonçalves is another guy that impressed. So, I mean, those are two guys you can look at in their minor league system and you would say, okay, getting their feet wet for sure. And those are guys we like in addition to who they have on the back end that's getting an opportunity to get caught up and, and play. So I, I think it's it's interesting, and I think it speaks a little bit to maybe the depth the Lightning are creating collectively um, yeah. within their organization, understanding they've had to, to let go a lot of pieces and draft picks. Syracuse has had a solid season so far,
0: but I think the difference between what Syracuse is doing this year and think back to Kucherov's first pro year. He spent like two months at the start of that season in Syracuse and then was called up. I mean, he just took the league by storm. Yeah, And was so far and away better than most every other player in the AHL, he, he basically demanded a recall. And once he came up, he never went back. This Syracuse team is a little different. It, it's, it's been a team that's had way more success than not to this point as we approach the halfway point in the AHL. They're, I believe, in second place in their division. They have a solid decor. They are not, like, blowing the doors off, you know, the the scoring race as a team, nor do they have a player who is blowing the doors off the scoring race individually. I, I want to say Gonsalves is their leading scorer, and he was just under a point per game yep. when he was called up. But they have a handful of guys who are producing. And Gonzalez was one. Mitchell Chafee was another. He came up for a game earlier this year. You know, Merrill, uh, it, it's very possible it took Merrill a little bit of time after playing 14 games with the Lightning to go down to Syracuse and kind of get his feet wet. I do know he's coming off a two-goal game. So, of his six goals, two came very recently. I don't know if it was Syracuse's last game or, or second-to-last game. So, look, he, he showed well, and he showed well, I think, especially recently, and he's earned a recall a real recall because he was up and now he is recalled, right? Um, and we'll see if he's able to to find his way into the score sheet in this, his second stint with the Lightning.
2: That's what we're hoping for. And we'll see if it plays out that way at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation. And uh, partners, you mentioned, Merla, along with Crozier and Myers, uh, all recalled today. So that's kind of, some of the news there that uh, we wanted to um, get out and and talk about some of these issues. It also looks like um, there's a chance because uh, the Lightning, uh, more from a personnel perspective, will be taking on Detroit. Derek Lalonde said that Patrick Kane is going to be uh, unavailable for a little bit, dealing with a lower body. Could be back by the weekend, though. Could be back by the weekend, so we'll see if that plays out. He's actually had a good year for them. In terms of the the points, I don't... I, I'm just looking on it on a very surface level, and I actually read, uh, I think it was in The Athletic, Pierre Lebrun had kind of some news and notes in his his latest NHL you know, recap about what he's hearing and some of the things that have been going mm-hmm. on, but he thinks that maybe Patrick Kane could be somebody that is dealt at the trade deadline. Really? Mm-hmm. After he chose to go to Detroit? Depending on kind of where Detroit is. Now, look, Detroit... Mm-hmm. Last I checked, where are they in the standings? They're, they're right pretty, with lightning. I mean, yeah. points
0: points percentage-wise, they're right there. Two yep. teams are very close. Detroit so that's, has a smidge of an advantage.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, something to keep an eye on, you know, when we get a little bit closer to the trade deadline and and some of these players that could be moved and not. It's, it's going to be interesting. His name has been thrown around and i think julian brise mentioned that as well with the lightning that they're gonna you know look to do what they've done every year let's see what's happening with toronto in the next
0: week so they have games in hand on on the lightning they have games in hand on a number of teams in the east but they've had a little bit of a, a skid here they've lost two in a row and they are starting their western canadian trip they're in edmonton tonight they just dropped a couple of games at home games in which they had leads they were Three nothing on Colorado and lost five yeah. three and they were up on Detroit going into the third. They were up two to one. They lost four to two. So right now the wings and lightning are tied with forty nine points. Toronto only has one more point. Now again, the Leafs have those games in hand, but that is not an easy trip. As the Lightning discovered. <laughs> I don't know if the the Leafs are playing just the three Western Canadian teams or if it's if it's more extensive than that. But Maybe those Western teams can help out the Lightning a little bit. It'd be nice, right? and 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 hand the Leafs a few more regulation losses. We'll see. I think it's a little early to scoreboard watch, but the the fact that the Lightning points wise are very close to Toronto, yeah, is I think a little surprising. And if Toronto falls out of the top three, whoever gets that third slot is locked into a playoff spot. You don't have to worry about the wild card. That's another sure. reason why it's important.
2: Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio if you want to get involved in the conversation. And the, the article that I was referencing, uh, Shayna Goldman was writing it on behalf of the Lightnings, talking about trades and potentially what's going to, to go on. They have trade deadline buyer or seller, and they have cautious buyer. And this was written a couple of days ago. And, you know, they get into the percentage right now of the Lightning. Where are they uh, in terms of making the postseason? But they get into the cap and, um, you know, things that we already know. But it was, it was interesting hearing um, some of that stuff be put to paper so to speak when we start having these conversations so i think the lightning are going to do what they've typically done every year and i will make my point and reiterate it that some of the players that you are seeing be called up those are not only going to be used those players to help the lightning win games now but i think those will be used as assets potentially if the lightning see fit to make a move to go out and and bring some pieces in the question then becomes where do they need the most help and I think, you know, we have seen over the years, partner, sometimes sometimes it fits. Remember Savard, when he was brought in, it took a while for him to yeah. feel completely comfortable. So you can sit there and say, Well, look, Greg, I, I think they need help on the back end. And that is true. But even for a guy like Savard, who at the time was he one of the biggest prizes at the trade deadline? Yeah. He I mean, was a big I mean, the name. lightning
0: the lightning had to pay a premium to get him. They did. It took three teams.
2: Yeah. And I, I get that trade. Would you say he started to play at his level come playoff time? Yes. Certainly better than, than the regular season towards the end
0: there. Yes, but his role on the Lightning was never going to be as big as his role on other teams, certainly not in Columbus. And I want to say he's been a top four guy in Montreal. He has been. He has been. Basically, slotted in as understanding, Bottom. you know, Jan Ruda didn't yeah. play. 23, 24 minutes a night, but, you know, it was kind of like Savard was the third pair defenseman, right? Right, and he Pretty was a veteran guy.
2: Yeah, who had pedigree, veteran guy, I think coveted at the trade deadline, and it took him a while to feel, I think, completely yeah. comfortable Very with the Lightning. system. Yeah, and so you have to keep that in mind. Even even if the Lightning say, look, we want to address having some more depth on the back end and maybe even getting somebody to fit in the top six, it's not always a smooth transition whoever they get. And even Blake Coleman, when they brought him in, yeah. it took a break in the action. I think for him to finally feel comfortable with where Coleman, Goodrow,
0: Bogosian, who came in at the deadline in 2020, benefited from the
2: training camp yes. for the the bubble tournament. I think that is correct. I think that is fair to say. All right, our good friend. We've had him on the show a number of times throughout the history of Power Lunch <laughs> on Lightning Radio. We're not uh, quite
0: at 100 years like the
2: Bruins. No, we're doing we would best. be old. Dan Rosen from NHL.com joining us here, and uh, we're always appreciative of his time. And, Dan, it's great to be with you. Yeah, you know, we were just talking about the trade deadline, and it's easy to throw names, and it's easy to sit here and say, go out and get that guy. But the the great unknown is always, how does that player quickly adapt to his new surroundings sometimes it's an easy fit and sometimes it's not dan
1: yeah how you doing guys um you're 100 percent right sometimes it sometimes it just works sometimes they find some chemistry right away and it clicks and they're in and sometimes even if they adapt to the surroundings the the chemistry doesn't come the pressure of that mounts uh and it just doesn't seem to work um, listen, I mean, the Rangers got Patrick Kane last year, right? And, and it was a big deal. I, I frankly didn't think they needed to go out and do it, but they, that was something they wanted to do, and they went out and got him. Now, he was a damaged Patrick Kane because of the hip injury that he was dealing with. He had 12 points in 19 games. He was okay, but I, honestly, it was less about Patrick Kane, and I think more about the chemistry uh, was taken away from what they had going on. Uh, they have a first power play unit, so you got to work Patrick Kane onto that. But then somebody drops off, they had Tarasenko as well. You know, it doesn't always work whether it's the player or the team, the player coming in, who's he taking out? Somebody's got to come out of the lineup, especially if it's a bigger name player. So you're right, it doesn't always work. It's not an exact science, uh, yet it is all we talk about for two months leading up to the trade.
0: So Dan, we just passed the halfway point of the NHL season and and just about every team has played at least 41 games with a couple of of rare exceptions. When you look at the top point teams in the NHL as we speak today, you got the Bruins at 61, you got the Canucks at 62, you got the Jets at 60, the other division leader is the Rangers as you mentioned they're at 56, Colorado's at 59. Of these teams, do you feel that there is a front runner at this point or are there front runners or does this feel like a wide open season to you
1: right uh, now? I, I think it feels wide open. It really does feel wide open. Like you want to ask me who the best team is. I, I, I'm going to tell you Colorado, but I'm not telling you Colorado with a, you know, a huge amount of confidence in that answer. Not because I don't believe in them. I certainly do, but it could be Winnipeg. It could be Vancouver. It, it could be Boston. It could still be Vegas. Vegas has been dealing with a lot of stuff going on, and they hit their Stanley Cup hangover now, not at the beginning of the season. So they stake themselves a little bit of a cushion to be able to handle what they're going through. But, I mean, a healthy Vegas team might still be the best team in the NHL because of the size, depth, scoring, all of it, right? It, it does feel wide open to me uh, with a lot of these top teams you know, the Rangers have been in first place in the Metropolitan Division throughout the entire season. Are they the best team in the Metropolitan Division? Could be Carolina. Carolina was struggling, you know. Um, is Boston the best team in, in the Atlantic or is it Florida? Or I mean heck, is it Tampa? I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's the one of those it does feel very wide open to me, but the top teams that you just mentioned, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Boston, the Rangers, Colorado, they've earned it through the course of this first half of the season to be thought of as some of the top contenders in the league and legitimate Stanley cup contenders because of how they've played. And I got to tell you, I absolutely love the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I think that they, they have so much going for them right now. Uh, A belief, skill, depth, goaltending, you name it. They got it. And Quinn Hughes, He's not the best defenseman in the league because I still think that's Kale McCarr, but man, Hughes is a special, special player.
2: Rick Tockett's done a hell of a job, you know, with what what he's been able to do and get the most out. And they've got a lot of talent. We know that uh, just, just looking at them. You know, Dan, I wanted to ask you this. We've been talking a lot about the Lightning this year, and I think it's fair to say they're not the same team this year compared to when... They were winning Cups and going back to the Stanley Cup Finals in many ways. How could you not when you you're affected by the cap? But I also am wondering, when you evaluate teams that have had a lot of success, particularly in the playoffs over the last few years, are you cautious in terms of how you evaluate them in the regular season compared to how they'll perform in the postseason, knowing that these teams know how to pace themselves? The regular season's great, and it's a vehicle to get in the playoffs. But those two styles are dramatically different when you start start talking about performance, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, 100%. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I say a team like Vegas right now, like, they've been dealing with a lot of stuff. I'm not worried about them. You know, like, they've struggled in the last quarter of the season, no question about it. But it doesn't mean, like, I'm saying, well, Vegas, I don't think they got it anymore. You know? No. The difference is, though, with a team like Tampa, I— Right now, to me, what they've dealt with this season, the way they've played and the, you know, the inconsistency, that's not that's who they are right now. Um, It's not that they're biding their time in the regular season um, that, you know, they they are aware of all that. and, And I I get that. But this feels a little different with a team like the Lightning as opposed to a team like Vegas or earlier in the season, Colorado, or even though they haven't had Stanley Cup success, even earlier in the season, Carolina. You know, those were teams that were figuring it out, knew that they were really good, knew they had the depth and all that stuff. Whereas Tampa, you're right, the flat cap continued to hammer the lightning and they continued to bite back at it, which was remarkable. But this, to me, feels like a team that is trying to put it together. Uh, as opposed to, as opposed to you know just we just need to kind of keep it together here a little bit. It's a little bit different.
0: Dan, I have another question about the East specifically, and I know you remember this well, two years ago, we probably could have penciled in the eight playoff teams, yeah, at the halfway point. like that's how big the gap was between the top eight and the bottom eight. I'm actually looking at the standings right now. There was a 16 point gap between the eighth seed, Washington, and the ninth seed, the Islanders. And that has completely been turned on its ear in the span of two years where you have all these teams jumbled together. Are you surprised that this has happened in such a short period of time in the Eastern Conference?
1: No, because you got to remember, teams like Tampa, uh, Washington, Pittsburgh, they've come back down whereas teams like New Jersey and even the Islanders um, you know, Detroit uh, they've come way up Florida, obviously. Right. I mean, they've come way up. You had to expect that these veteran teams that have been, been doing it for so long now, decade plus, was going to come back down. And that, that is Tampa. That is Pittsburgh. That is Washington. And to a lesser extent, Boston. I mean, Boston coming back down to earth is Boston having a normal season, regular season, as opposed to what they did last year. Right. Um, and New Jersey was a team that wanted to be on the rise. So was Buffalo. So was Ottawa. They haven't, but Detroit has gone in a different way. They've come up a little bit. Montreal's come up a little bit is they're not as dangerous as say New Jersey, but they've come up a little bit. Uh, so it's kind of been, it, it, it's, it's gotten a little, you know, tighter because of that you know i'm I'm using my hands even though i'm on radio um it's gotten a little tighter because of that you know those teams coming down a little bit and those others coming up and it's not as if a a team like carolina or the rangers have soared to be just you know through the roof amazing they've also stay within that window that that gap that they were in as well so It hasn't surprised me at all. I think what we saw a couple of years ago was more surprising than what we're seeing now.
2: Are you surprised how long John Cooper has been at it? Understanding in sports in general, Dan, coaches come and go as we know this year. It's been a little bit more up and down, but the lightning are in a playoff spot. What do you make of Cooper's success and just, Really, defying the odds when it comes to coaches in any sport today, staying there for an extended period of time.
1: I, I am surprised. I'm shocked, to be honest with you, because it we just don't see it. We just don't see it in the NHL these days that a guy stays in one team with a lot of the same players too with that one team. But very remarkably, kept that core together for a very long. Has kept that core together for a very long time with the same voice leading them. We just don't see it. You you see the, you know, the, the, it's not the players tuning out the coach or the coach tuning out the players. It's simply like what he has pushed and has run its course and a change is needed. We see it all the time. So that he's still doing it a decade late, 11 years now, later. I mean, I actually think it is remarkable it speaks to the coach that he is. It speaks to the voice that he has, his ability to adapt as the years go on, his ability to adapt from a guy who's coaching a Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, entering their prime years as opposed to now being in or maybe coming out of their prime years, you know, on the back, on the back nine uh, and adapt to that. It's actually remarkable. And I think it speaks to the core players on the team to, continue to fuel the rest of the group with the belief and, and have that level of communication with the coach. Uh, it, it is remarkable and it is surprising because we just don't see it uh, in in the game today. And I, I've said this on my podcast, the NHL at the rink podcast, like if it happens that this is the year that the Lightning don't make the playoffs, it is the natural year. It's the natural breaking point. But I don't know that that would be the right thing. I just think it would be something that we'd see.
0: You know, Dan, whenever the Lightning go to a, a market that hasn't seen a Lightning yet this year, invariably, Coop gets asked about Kucherov, which is not surprising. I mean, he's leading the league right. in scoring, and he usually answers the same way, that yes, he's actually playing better now this year than in all of the other years before, even his, his Hart Trophy year in eighteen nineteen. What is the perception nationally, though, of Kucherov? when the Lightning are not in town, like, and it's not the obvious question, do you feel that he is kind of getting the attention and the appreciation that the leading scorer in the league on a team that right now is struggling to make the playoffs should get?
1: He is not getting that attention. He is not. He, sh- he should be. He is not. McKinnon gets in. Uh, McDavid gets in. Matthews gets in. Bedard, he's not a leading scorer, but he's kind—he's of, the new fresh face. He gets it. Sidney Crosby's still doing it. Everybody wants to talk about that, and rightfully so. He is still doing it at a high level, and it's amazing. Panarin in New York has been a great story this year, right? Coming off the playoffs that he had, we want to talk about David Pasternak and his goal scoring. And you know, no, no Patrice Bergeron, no David Krejci, but look at David Pasternak. And there's Nikita Kucherov leading them all. And I don't think he's getting talked about near enough. I think he's having an unbelievable season, but you know, is he playing better than he has in the past in his heart trophy season? I guess, you know, coop would have a better idea than I would, but I also wonder, is that a little bit of a recency bias? And we're just forgetting how good he was in those years too, because he was remarkable in those years too. Um, So yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I don't think he gets talked about enough. Um, I don't know if that's a market thing. I don't know if that's an expectation or if it's maybe, you know, nationally people have just gotten, you know, kind of over the lightning a little bit like, all right, yeah, they've been around for so long. Let's talk about somebody else. Uh, I don't think that shouldn't be the case, but it could be Um, regardless Kucherov deserves it. Uh, He deserves a hell of a lot of attention because he's been great. On a team that this season has not been as good as it's been in the past and has been inconsistent, maybe they're coming, maybe three wins in a row helps, uh, can come out of it a little bit, but they haven't been that way. He's been every bit as consistent as as any player in the league. And yet, he's not talked about near as much.
2: Dan, overall, we're here with Dan Rose on NHL.com. When you look at this Lightning team, what do you like? What's missing?
1: I like the high end scoring, Uh, the 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 same guys we we've been talking about for years. I think there's a little bit of a depth issue that's missing. I think there's some defensive depth that is missing. Uh, They've been burned by the cap. I mean, the cap has the you know they've been able to go about it where they can acquire guys and run with those guys for a while and then lose those guys when you continue to lose guys and now they lost and in this past off season, they lost one of their own, right? In Kalorn, he was a huge factor for them. Huge. And you guys know that hard to replace that guy. uh, Because it's not a guy that was just an additional guy that you added in before the deadline that became part of it, but you knew you were going to lose him. This was a core piece that lost too. So, you weren't able to keep those guys, the Goodros, the, the Coleman's, the gords those guys, but now you're cutting into your core, too, and I think that's where the depth issue comes into play.
0: Dan, certainly you cover the league as a whole, but the the New York area is your base area, so you see a lot of the three teams in that area and the lightning actually in their second half, they have a lot of games left against metropolitan division teams. Why don't you give us an overview of the three New York based teams and the division as a whole, uh, in terms of what you've seen?
1: Well, the Rangers have been obviously the best of the three New York based teams. Um, They've hit a little bit of a, a tough, a rough patch in the last couple of weeks defensively, giving up rush chances, a lot of rush chances against, but they were better against Washington on Sunday. Maybe that sets them in the better direction, but they have been a really good team this season. Hard to play against. Depth has been pretty solid. Panarin's been great. Um, so they are the best of them. The, the Devils have been a team that it's been real hit or miss. I think with New Jersey, they not having Jack Hughes is a killer. We know that, uh, him being out, but like they're we a lot of talk about their goaltenders and their goaltending needs to be better, but it's the play in front of the net has not been very good. I talked to Lindy Ruff before the season. He said to me, he said to me, it's going to be way harder than last season. He's a hundred percent. Right. Uh, the Islanders have been just inconsistent. Like they were a team that you're like, why can't they hold a lead? You know, it was the exact opposite of what the Islanders had been for years. It was the team that now all of a sudden they couldn't hold a lead. They were scoring, but they couldn't stop the other team from scoring that got better. Now they're playing, you know, you got to find, they got to find some life in their game again. Um, so it's, it's been hit or miss for the devils. It's been hit or miss for the Islanders. The Rangers have been a far more consistent team. The division as a whole there's seven teams that can make the playoffs in the Metropolitan Division. It's really wide open. The only team that's out, really, is Columbus. Um, and, you know, look, I, I I don't know what to expect from a team like Pittsburgh on a nightly basis. They're, they're also driven by their high-end guys, but their depth issues are a problem. Uh, and Washington's the same way. Like, what do you expect from that team that doesn't score a ton? You can't keep relying on winning games two to one or three to two in a shootout or something like that. You gotta have to be able to score more goals than that.
2: Dan Rosen joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. You mentioned Pittsburgh. They've been up and down and they've been trying to get the depth. I think their goaltending tandem is decent, but it's it's one of those things. I think where Washington probably in a similar boat. We've talked about this a lot on the show, is when you have a when your core is aging. And you've kind of mortgaged the future to win now. You deal with some of those consequences down the road. Do you get the sense that's kind of what Pittsburgh, Washington, specifically may be dealing with? And and kind of how they're able to develop some of the young talent that they do have to supplement the older players is going to go a long way in determining whether they get in the playoffs?
1: Yes, 100%. Uh, it's going to be quite interesting because they did not... Pittsburgh did not re-sign Malkin and Latang to go into a rebuild. The Capitals did not re-sign Ovechkin to then sell off parts and go into a rebuild. When you invest in the guys that the legends of your team, you you know, in their mid to late 30s, you, with multi-year deals, you're investing in the fact that you think there's one more run in them, and they have to believe that. And as long as they're hanging around the playoff race, I think that's what you're going to see these teams do. You're not going to see sell-offs unless – you're not going to see Washington sell-off pieces unless they fall completely out of it. How do you sell that to number eight? Same with Pittsburgh. How do you sell that to number 87, right, 71, 58? Like you can't do that when you have these legends and you brought them back. And to bring it back to to the Lightning – that's what they are questioning right now in my mind with Steven Stamkos. When do you, do you let it, do you cut bait early? Or do you sign him to that multi-year deal? And maybe the la- if you sign him to a four or five year deal are the last three years of that deal where you want to be rebuilding, but you can't because you still have them. And how do you sell that to them when you sign them to the multi-year deal? it's a it's a big it's a really big question i think that's what they're dealing with washington and pittsburgh invested in their guys right and now they can't rebuild if you ask me it's gonna the hard time is really going to come for both of those teams but they just put it off but are they legitimate stanley cup contenders i hesitate to say they are
0: dan last one from me in terms of teams that have exceeded expectations this year. We could certainly put Vancouver in that list. We could put Winnipeg, a playoff team last year, but they are they are a first-place team to this point this year. Uh, how about the Flyers? Are, are they the team that has exceeded expectations the most, maybe?
1: Well, yeah, depending on what your expectations were, right? My expectations for the Jets were they were going to be a team that hung around the playoff race. And before they signed he- Hellebuck and Scheifele, I thought that regardless of where they were, they were going to be trading those guys. Then they signed them, and it set everything up for them to be doing what they're doing now. The Flyers, I almost had zero expectation for it, like none. I didn't think that they would be anywhere near the playoff race. So, yeah, 100%, they're the team that succeeded it the most because I could see them getting in. They are, the talent that they have isn't any better than the talent that they had going into training camp when nobody thought that they thought much of them, right? Couturier being back helps. Atkinson being back helps, you know, no question about it. But the way they play, they are really hard to play against. Tortorella has got them going in a way that, you know, they get the most out of their talent and their skill, but man, nobody wants to go play against that team because they will make you pay. And it's it's a really strong game. Their defensive game is way better than I think we were thought they would be. And, and maybe Carter Hart, when he's in, is starting to live up to that potential that he came into the league with. But it, it is, uh, I'm curious to see if the Flyers can keep it up in the second half because they do not have that guy, that Kucherov, right? They don't have that guy that you're just going to say, all right, we don't got it tonight, but this guy does, and he's going to go win it for us. They don't have that guy. They have to have it every single night. It's a lot in an 82-game season.
2: Dan, lastly, and uh, we'll end on this, I think it's it's interesting. I don't know if there's another league where the regular season and the postseason really are dramatically different. And I'm wondering, do you feel that way when it comes to the NHL? And what separates the regular season to the postseason? Is it? Having an elite goaltender, is it having those go-to guys you can rely on to take over a series where maybe in the regular season you can get by with, hey, playing hard, having a defensive system, and and really maybe focusing on knocking off a team who doesn't have their best on that particular night?
1: I think what separates the, the postseason from the regular season in the NHL is size, physicality, and a hell of a lot of bite in your game because the teams that win in the playoffs, for the most part, they just out muscle. They beat the other team up, essentially. Not with fists. We don't really see a lot of that in the playoffs. But look at what Vegas did last year, right? And I understand there's a recency bias, but, you know, Colorado had size, Tampa when they were winning size, Pittsburgh size, and size on the back end, right? One offs in the regular season, it doesn't make that big of a deal because you're going from city to city. But when you got to play a team as many as seven times in a row and they're bigger than you or they're more physical than you, that's the grind of the game that really comes out. And now you ratchet up the energy in the building, you ratchet up these stakes, and it becomes even harder and harder as the series wears on, it gets harder and harder. To me, that's the difference in the playoffs It is it, just the, the will it takes to win, especially against teams that, you know, also have that same level of will. You don't see it as much in the regular season because you're traveling here, there and everywhere. Right.
2: You are for sure. And uh, that's what makes it fun. But Dan, we always appreciate you. Now, let people know where they can get your work read your work and also listen to cuz i know you're on yeah. you're on everywhere
1: uh well nhl.com has been that way for a while uh, follow my stuff on nhl.com the nhl at the rink podcast co-host that every week with my good buddy and and editor Sean Rourke. We have some good guests. The last one we did, uh, it runs about every, it runs every week. So usually Wednesdays or Thursdays at the Rosen NHL on Twitter or X or whatever. whatever. And I fight with EJ Raddock on the NHL Network doing the Super 16 every week, every Wednesday or Thursday.
2: <laughs> we love it. Dan, thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dan. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. There he goes. Dan Rosen joining us from NHL.com. You always got to give. See, he didn't even know if mm-hmm. it was Twitter or X's, right? What the hell? Well, he he paid homage to both. I can't
0: blame him for that. You know, when I asked him that question about the Metro, it really is true. I mean, I'm looking at the Metropolitan Division. So the Lightning are done with Carolina. Yes. But they've only played one game against the Rangers, one game against Pittsburgh, one game against the Devils, one game against Washington, one game against Columbus. They've not seen the Islanders yet, and they've not yet seen the Flyers. They'll be seeing them at the end of the road trip coming up. So, what you're saying is a they got a lot to kind of, of games. Move up. They got a lot of games in the second half against this metropolitan division. And a lot of the teams in the metro are in the mix for the wild card.
2: Control your own destiny a little bit, right? To Maybe a lot. Extent. Yeah. Maybe a lot. You win those games because it mm-hmm. does feel like it, you know, without you. Going through that list, it does feel like they've played a lot of a lot of non-conference games.
0: Yeah, they you know? they banged out especially on the road. They only have four road Western Conference opponents or four four road Western Conference games left. And and just in case fans weren't aware, the Lightning play three games against each of those Metropolitan Division teams. So with the exception of Carolina, the Lightning have at least two, if not three, games left against every other team in
2: the division. That's a lot. It is a lot. Kind of like it that way, though. You have an opportunity there yep. to really control your destiny in many ways. Anthony says, I'm glad I was wrong about the first-line chemistry in Vasi's play. I want to make changes a little bit too fast. A lot of teams around us keep winning and getting loser points, but Toronto <laughs> can slip a bit Two crucial games against Detroit and New Jersey to take your faith in your own hands.
0: What was he talking about there? Oh, the games—they didn't play Detroit, New Jersey. It's maybe
2: coming Leafs. up. Maybe he...
0: Well, they're out west. I just said they play Edmonton.
2: No, maybe like the Lightning going to be taking on Detroit. Maybe he's referencing.
0: Okay, you know, but they just played there. New Jersey.
2: Yeah. So the Lightning was will be ago. in
0: Buffalo this Saturday afternoon. Yep. They'll be in. in they'll be in. Football-crazed towns this
2: weekend. And You're going to be right in the middle the Bucks of it. The right? Bucs will be right there, too. Congrats to the Bucs. Congrats to the Bucs. Very cool impressive win. The field, by the way, looked good in Buffalo. I watched that game. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the issue was getting the snow not off the field. They did that fairly quickly, and that had to yeah. be the priority. But didn't they have a
2: lot of snow in the stands? They did. <laughs> Yeah, they had to clear that out. People shoveling the snow. There's do you think somebody's gonna come up with a better invention than than something like that with people just getting the shovel and and having to go well, up and down, they, up and down. They have snow blowers. Those don't work. I don't know. I mean, all I saw were pictures. I'm sure they did. So let's I, I wanna be very clear, but at least all the pictures I saw were just people with shovels. Like Yeah. Come on.
0: Well, maybe that. I mean, I don't know. It's been a while since I've had to deal with snow. I and people were like Michigan, a snowblower is a vehicle. I, I thought that they existed like you, almost like um, almost like a, a leaf blower, right? Don't they have those? Maybe that's what they need to invest. They should. They yeah. should. Come on. It's cold left. Maybe they don't exist. I don't know. Maybe they don't.
2: Jay says credit to the Lightning's pro scouting for finding Luleberg appears that Arizona didn't have room for him. And he goes on to mention some of the players they have as left-shot defensemen. He said, Lillenberg plays like Kasparitis. Football mentality, bone crusher. You know, Darius Kasparitis. I think I referenced him on the show a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I think that might have been one of my dad's favorite Penguins <laughs> next to Lemieux, just because he loved players who could hit. And you know, and Kasparitis Pushed was, the envelope a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And like Wolf yeah, Samuelson was a big that. part of that. Remember, you know, yeah. Wolfie would get you with the, the stick a lot of times. But Casparitis, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that hit. Just YouTube it on Eric Lindros. I mean, my gosh. That yeah, was one Lindros was hits.
0: on the receiving end of a few of those hits. God, Stevens laid him out yeah. as well.
2: Dangerous. But that, I mean, he's he's right about Lilleberg.
0: Yeah. And I don't know the backstory with the Arizona situation. When when you mentioned or he had left handed defense, I mean, he's talking about on Arizona. Correct. Which is why they didn't, and maybe they did pursue Lilleberg. Maybe he just elected not to sign with them. I don't know. I don't know either. But I am not a fan and Lilleberg is in a different category because he was playing in Europe. But generally, I am not a fan of players who have been drafted, who go to college and stay for four years in college. And because they stay for four years, they get to become unrestricted free agents.
2: You feel like the team is invested in you. Yes. Right. And that you should still be property of that team. Yes. And so,
0: look, we've seen examples of this. Either the the player has just become a UFA or the player has forced the hand of the team that drafted him and said, trade me, basically. Otherwise, I'm going to become a UFA. And we just saw this with with Cutter Gauthier, with the Flyers. I mean, he basically said, and the story has come out, he has basically said, or did say, I'm not going to play for the Flyers. So they traded him to Anaheim. They got Jamie Drysdale in the deal, But the only reason that the player and Gauthier plays for for B.C., the only reason that he can say that is because he's playing college hockey. I don't think that that's right. I think a player should be able to stay four years in college if he wants to stay four years in college, but the team should hold his rights. We have seen through all the different camps, and most people who follow the NHL, unless they're following it very closely and they're following a team very closely— I mean, that's a lot of fans. I don't know. I think generally, though, the, the sports fan who, who might follow hockey, but isn't that isn't that fan sport, right, is not aware of all the other stuff that happens beyond training camp and the season. And as it turns out, the college players don't even come to training camp because they are at school. But all the stuff that happens over the summer, the development camps year in and year out the director of player personnel or people under the director of player personnel who are visiting these players while they're in school, meeting with them, working with them, helping them grow their game. You are right. When you say the team invests in the players they have drafted, whether they are playing major junior, whether they're playing in college or whether they are in Europe. Now the European players, it is a little bit different in that, like they're across an ocean, right? (laughs) And I mean, I don't know how I feel about that, actually. I don't know if Littleberg just waited out the clock or if the team stepped away. I don't really know what happened there, but you see it far more often with, with players who are in college. A European player who is drafted by a team usually ends up going to that team. A college player or a player drafted who then attends college, if he's not leaving early, and by early, I'm talking after three years. It sometimes is a coin toss, and I think I think that that is unfair. Is probably the word I would I would come up with. It is unfair to the team that drafted that player and has invested time, energy, resources, money into developing that player from draft day until the point the player says, mm. "Thanks, but no, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a UFA." Sure yeah look, I don't know. I'm all for player rights. I mean, look, I'm not saying that players shouldn't have rights, but what is the difference between a player attending college and a player going to major junior? the The career at the major junior level ends sooner. <laughs> so at that point, the player is locked in when he's ready to turn pro. if he's going to turn pro, he's locked into the team that drafted him.
2: And aren't people like overseas that you drafts? Like, you can still own the rights for how many years? Yeah. right. I well, mean, I know confusing.
0: for the college players, it's three. I, maybe there is yeah. a different rule for European players. I just but remember— But it's not like Lilleberg we're talking about him. It's not like he's, you know, 26, 27 years
2: old. No, it's—you know what it is, though? It's very confusing when you start talking about the rules in place for when you draft somebody and where they end up going to play that's not directly affiliated with your organization— so if you go back to juniors, if you go to the college ranks, if you go play in Europe. I mean, it there's just it feels like there's a lot of different avenues, partner, once you get drafted where it gets a little fuzzy in terms of who controls your rights and for how many years.
0: Right. Littleburg yeah. is 22. He was drafted in 2021. So I mean, that's He didn't even wait out the 3 years. Arizona must have walked away. Yeah. The player can't walk
2: away. And with Arizona, you'd like to thank your you're keeping as many assets as you have. Yeah, you know, because that's kind of what you have to do. Now, if they have a a log jam on their back end and they have to make a strategic decision and not all of them are going to be, you know, pinpoint, mm-hmm. then then maybe that's what you do, but it's still you know, something I think especially if you're a team that doesn't maybe spend the cap and you're looking to to hit on a lot of draft picks. Lilleberg; those players are the ones you want to try and keep and develop before anything else happens. So. Right. I don't know. But, you know, the Lightning did a tremendous job finding that. You know who else kind of falls in that same boat? Um the the defenseman for Pittsburgh, Ludwig. Mhm. So he was Panthers he was a college property. Guy. But he was Panthers property and the I guess the the Panthers didn't protect him and like the Penguins claimed him. I think it was off waivers, but it was one okay. of the things where they were trying to sneak him through. Yeah. And, and that, it didn't happen, that's different.
0: you know? I mean, yeah. that is usually, I'm looking at Ludwig right now. He's only so 23, So after you've been pro for three years, right? you are no longer waiver exempt. And look, that's to protect the player. And I have no problem with that. By protect, I'm saying, look, if the organization that holds your rights has had you for three years, and by the time you're into your fourth year, and they are sending you down, meaning they don't have a spot for you on their NHL roster, what the league is saying, what the waiver rule is saying, essentially is, if there's another NHL team out there that can use you, they have the right to claim you. I have no problem with that. What The spirit of the rule with, with the college situation is, and again, maybe it's a little different for European players, so I'm, I'm not speaking about them If it is the same rule, so be it. Basically, what what the CBA is is trying to say is, if you draft a player, and after three years you still haven't signed that player, you can't hold on to that player forever. That player has a right to go find work. That makes sense, right? It does. But (laughs) if that player is still playing in amateur hockey... Because he wants to have a fourth year in college, that's way different. You can't sign a player if he's in college. he loses his amateur eligibility. It's different in junior. So you have to wait until the player is ready to actually turn pro. It's a totally different category. To me, it's a loophole, but you know maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority on that. You know, the lightning was... lost Sammy Walker and Cole Gutman. Look up those two guys, yeah, folks. Right, if you're right. interested, it happened with them. It happened to the Lightning, but sure. it's not just the Lightning. It's happened to other teams too. Yep. Adam Fox. Adam yeah. Fox was drafted by. Was it Calgary? Was it Calgary or Carolina? I thought I was going to say Carolina. I thought it was Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. I think. Yeah. I'm you know. He was drafted by Calgary. Calgary. Yes, but they traded him. So this is what happened. They they. They traded him to Carolina in the Lindholm deal. That's it. That was it. Yes. He was still playing in college, and he said, I don't want to go to Carolina. He was only at Harvard for three years, but because Carolina understood that if they didn't trade him, he would just not play for them and play a fourth year and become a a free agent, they traded him to the Rangers. And they got, I mean, what they get it you. was a very lopsided trade, <laughs> right? Right. So Adam Fox got traded to the Rangers for two picks, Mad Sogard, and I think it's Noel Goonler because we saw these guys in preseason. I think it's I think it's safe to say that Adam Fox, pretty good player. was the best player <laughs> yeah, of yeah, those pretty three. Good pretty good player, yeah.
2: You bring up some good points though, and it's it's something worth. If
0: somebody has a if somebody has a uh, an argument on the other side of the fence that they want to make,
2: what would be? The, let's hear it. If, yeah, let's. What, hear let me it. ask I'm you. This. What would be the most reasonable argument though that you've heard?
0: Well, just that the player has a right to to wait it out. I mean, I saw some defense of Gauthier. Where he was like, look, the player has the right to wait it out. Look at Adam Fox. look at uh, was Bleak Wheeler another one? There have been examples of it. I mean NH, big time NHL players, guys who have who have had a very good career in the NHL, who basically said, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait it out and sign as a free agent with a different team because I'm in college, Sure. So I I have more cards or better cards basically. A player in major junior has no cards. A player in major junior, whether he's turning pro at 18, 19, or 20, and if he's turning pro at 18 or 19, he has to go to the NHL. But most turn pro at 20, they're going to the team that drafted drafted him, drafted them. True. But those who feel that players should have rights about where they want to go... College players are a little bit older too. Yeah, comes into it. I'm I'm not I'm not saying that players shouldn't have any rights at all. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the team that drafted the player invested the time, and they should see something for that. Not lose the player for nothing, right? And I guess if, if you're going to trade the player, the player says basically, "I'm not going to come to your team." Then at least you can trade the rights to that player, like Philly did with Gauthier or like Carolina did with Fox. Yeah. But you're going to be on the short end of that deal, usually. Flyers hope that Drysdale pans out for them. He was a high first-round pick. That is true. But he's played on some, let's be honest, some subpar teams in Anaheim so far.
2: Hit us up on Twitter at Radio. We will continue the discussion tomorrow. Maybe get a local guest, too, as we've got a couple mm-hmm. of days in between here. And uh, we'll be breaking down Minnesota and uh, where they are. They needed a desperate win the other night, and they got a shutout from Marc-Andre Fleury. So we'll see how how they uh, do things. Bill Guerin, I know, addressed the media there, and they were talking about what they're going to be doing at the trade deadline potentially. So, you know, a team that needs points, and the Lightning, you know, certainly will be ready, hopefully, for them at Amelie Arena. Partner, great job. We will yeah, talk to you too. tomorrow, noon to one. Talk to here on this uh, airwave. And thank you to uh, Steve Ersnick as well. And Dan Rosen from NHL.com. I'm Greg Linelli. You can listen to us all the time right here, noon to one, on Lightning Radio.